This is the Marathon Training Academy podcast, episode 415. Thanks to UCAN for sponsoring this episode. UCAN is offering the MTA community an exclusive chance to try six edge gels for free. All you pay for is the cost of shipping. Head over to UCAN.co forward slash MTA to claim this exclusive offer. That's UCAN.co forward slash MTA. Thanks to the Richmond Marathon in Richmond, Virginia for sponsoring this episode. You can run through Virginia's capital on November 11th. They offer half, a full, and an 8K. Sign up at richmondmarathon.org. Beat the July 1st price increase. richmondmarathon.org. Welcome to the MTA Podcast, where we help you conquer the marathon and change your life. In this episode, we bring you along to the Beer Lovers Marathon in Belgium and share stories from race day and inspiration from fellow runners. And don't forget, as an Academy member, you get access to all of our back podcast episodes, training plans, all the good stuff. Find out how to join over at MarathonTrainingAcademy.com. Okay, great to be back home in the studio here with Angie. We also got some shout outs we want to make. People doing awesome stuff out there in MTA land. So Angie, what do you have for us? Yeah, we'd like to say congratulations to Philip. He says, I ran the Salt Lake City Marathon and my daughter and grandson ran the 5K. I took six minutes off my PR with a time of 421.33. I'm so proud of myself. This was my third marathon in seven months and I'm signed up for the San Francisco Marathon in July. I consider myself that guy who runs marathons now. I like it. And this comes from Emily, who's an MTA member. She says, hi, Angie and Trevor. On Sunday, I ran from my hometown of Norwich, Vermont, to my alma mater, Norwich University. This was a 46-mile personal challenge to celebrate my 46th birthday. I'm so thankful to be an MTA member, and I took advantage of following the 50-mile training plan. I felt strong while I was running the 3,987 feet of elevation gain, and I thought about you, Angie, especially on my miles 2 to 7, because I remember seeing you on this section of our freezing cold Norwich Marathon back in 2019. Do you remember that? I do. It was a very cold day. I think my fingers have never recovered from that. Yeah. Um, Emily says, I combined this run to be a fundraiser for a Vermont Veterans Center and was flooded with a tremendous support. I was honored to give Josh's house a check for $7,400 to help fellow veterans. Thanks, Angie and Trevor. I love MTA and I look forward to the next challenge. Well, thanks for sharing that. And that's really epic to go 46 miles on your birthday. Yeah, I love that. I just turned 43, but I didn't run that far. <laughs> Maybe in kilometers. That's what I'm going to do from now on is I'll just do kilometers until it gets to be too much. <laughs> then you'll just do minutes. There you go. <laughs> this note comes from Preston in Atlanta, Georgia. He says, good morning. I just wanted to express my deepest gratitude to the MTA podcast and resources. I successfully completed my first marathon on Saturday in Nashville, Tennessee with a time of three hours and 29 minutes. I suffered a knee injury during training and definitely had some nerves going into the race. However, the MTA content really helped me from fueling, dealing with an injury, mindset, etc. Additionally, I found the MTA community to be so inspirational and that kept me going and helped me push through. We really all can do hard things. Thank you again, and I'm really excited to learn more and get even stronger for the next race. Awesome. That comes from Preston, an Academy member. First marathon, 329. That's stellar. Yes, that's amazing. Congratulations. 
And this next email comes from Timmy in the UK. He says, hey, Ange and Trev, first up, I'm loving your work. I've pretty much binged 50 hours of your podcast in the last two months. That's very impressive. (laughs) That's a lot of listening. That's like every available episode, I think. He says, it's a Rolls Royce of a show, silky smooth, reliable, and an excellent runner. I'm hooked. I'm inserting here. I think that's the first time we've ever had that particular compliment. So yeah. And if Rolls Royce would like to sponsor this podcast, (laughs) maybe you can connect us with him, Timmy. (laughs) He goes on to say, I decided to enter the Manchester Marathon two months ago and settled on an absurd training program that not even Trevor's Lazy Runner's Guide to Success would have endorsed. Four long runs over four consecutive Sundays, followed by two weeks of solid eating. Sorted. I also told myself that only a sub four hour time would suffice. On the big day, there were 28,000 running in the Manchester Marathon. It's a belter. DJs, marching bands, dancing troops, choirs, and the works. My first 13 miles flew by. I was overexcited, went off like a rocket, and clocked around 140 at the half marathon point. I thought I must be transcending Kipchoge. I was on for a world record. Then, around 18 miles, the wheels came off. My knees started screaming, and my feet felt like they were wading through treacle. Oh, what? (laughs) It's like a molasses-like candy kind of... You learned so many good words from the Brits. (laughs) He says, my legs wouldn't work, and I started to wilt, mainly walking and occasionally limp running for the next three miles, desperate. Around the 22-mile mark, the sub-four-hour pacers and the wave of accompanying panting runners caught up with me and whisked me along. It was at that point that I realized, despite my ludicrous race strategy and training regimen, I was still in with a shot at my time. Smile and finish strong. That was the advice I remember from MTA, and that helped pull me away from the pack, power home, and sprint to the finish line with a time of three hours and 56 minutes. It felt like a miracle. Thanks so much to you both for all your advice and tips. Come and run in the UK soon. Big love, Timmy. Well, first off, congratulations, Timmy. Um, Sounds like a very unique training strategy and an amazing first marathon. So very proud of you for that. Glad that you finished smiling and strong. And we definitely love to come to the UK and meet up with you and do a marathon. Um, you sound like a really fun person to hang out with. Yeah, definitely. I got to hang out with some Brits um, in Belgium who came over for the Beer Lovers Marathon. And uh, that was a lot of fun. And this final one comes from Kate. It says, today, through the help of the Marathon Training Academy, four-hour and 30-minute, 16-week training plan, and working with Met Pro Coach Joe, I was able to take 15 minutes off my marathon time. I'm super happy with today's race here in Berkshire, Massachusetts, the Steel Rail Marathon. This was my 30th marathon and one of the most lovely. One of the things that helped me today was recalling an email you read on a past episode about a man whose back pain was so severe prior to the London Marathon that he had to have his wife help put on his shoes and socks, but he did it. Thank you for inspiring so many of us to do hard things as I've listened to your podcast since 2010. Wow. With gratitude, Kate. Man, that's when we started 2010. So. Yes. Thanks for being with us for the long haul. Yes. Thanks for using our training plan, and I'm glad things are working out with your uh, Met Pro coach. So keep up the great work, Kate. Well, we are really excited to partner with the Richmond Marathon again for another year. I ran the half last year and the year before. had a great time. The Richmond Marathon will take place November 11th, 2023. They have a full, a half, and an 8K. They provide phenomenal course support. That time of year, there's great fall scenery, and they also kick down some awesome finisher swag. So yeah, come on out to the Richmond Marathon. I'd love to see you there. 
That's right. The Richmond community shows up big on race day from party stops to junk food stations, a pickle juice stop, and lots more. On the full marathon course, you'll run through the scenic sections of Richmond, including along the beautiful James River. The marathon is a top 25 Boston qualifier, and the course is mostly flat with some rolling hills. And best of all, there's a downhill finish right on the riverfront. Visit richmondmarathon.org to register now to beat the July 1st price increase. That's richmondmarathon.org. All right, well, it's time for one of our world-famous race recaps. We're talking about the Beer Lovers Marathon in Belgium. It took place May 21st, 2023. What made it special was, in addition to all the typical aid stations that you see, the course offered 15 beer tastings. It was super fun. I'm not sure how I found this race. I was probably just Googling marathons in Europe uh, in May. I really like the website, ahatu.com. That's A-H-O-T-U. I have no idea what that word means, but... It's uh, just a huge race directory for international races, ahatu.com. Their tagline is discover the world through endurance. There's all the big famous races that we know of, you know, international, but you can kind of find some smaller, more niche, more boutique races just anywhere you want to go. Well, anyone who's listened to this podcast for any length of time knows that the minute you saw Beer Lovers Marathon, that it was probably something that you had to sign up for, right? Yeah, it was like this perfect trifecta, beer travel and running a marathon. So how did you go about training for the Beer Lovers Marathon? Because I'm sure people are thinking, did you use Trevor's Lazy Guide (laughs) to running a marathon? How did this work out? Well, I printed out our 530 plan that we have in the academy. And for the final long runs, I practiced with uh, drinking um, Belgian beer during the long run. I remember my final 20 miler, I actually drank like four Leffe Blonde while I did these five mile loops. The only thing I didn't practice was running in my costume. And so tell people what your costume was. The race had a theme. Yeah, the theme this year was cinema. So anything from the movies. So I went dressed as Clint Eastwood, the man with no name from the movie, The Good, The Bad, The Ugly. This is like the quintessential spaghetti Western look. I have never looked so badass running a marathon. We'll put a picture on the website and we'll let people be the judge of that. (laughs) I wasn't fast, but I definitely looked cool the whole time. So as a poncho, little neck band, a black neck band, and a hat. So people are envisioning you with a poncho, running shorts. Were you wearing your compression socks? I was. Okay, compression socks, obviously running shoes, and then you've got your cowboy hat. Oh, yeah, and cigar. And a cigar. (laughs) (laughs) But it was funny because when I walked in on race day, there was this, this TV crew there, and they were just filming runners and talking to them. And as soon as they saw me walk by, they're like, get him, get him. (laughs) So they were speaking French, but right away, you know, they saw I was an English speaker and they started asking me questions. And then I had, I had the cigar in my mouth and I was like squinting at him like Clint Eastwood. And as soon as they finished their question, I raised my hand real slow and took the cigar out of my mouth, like really slow and dramatically and then answered (laughs) (laughs) while squinting. (laughs) So I know you love to pack a lot into a trip. Walk us through your time in Europe from when you arrived until race day, because the race was more towards the end of your trip. Yeah, you know, I was over there for 18 days. Big thanks to you, Angie, for holding the fort down. Uh, My longtime friend from Montana, Aubrey Kincaid, flew over there and met me. He was there for 11 days. He had never been to Europe. 
it was really fun hanging out with him. He can he can really go hard like I can, like just like do one thing after another and then like kind of fit in sleep and food, you know, whenever it happens. Unlike me who cannot go hard. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> so basically we, we flew into Amsterdam, amazing city. Uh, we biked around. We did some free walking tours. Of course, we tried a lot of Dutch street food like bitterballen, strope waffles, raw herring. And then there's pofertjes which are like little fluffy pancakes. It feels like you're eating a cloud. Mm. And they're like covered in powdered sugar and butter. Pofferches. Um, I think all of Amsterdam is just set up for people who have the munchies. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure you guys had the munchies. <laughs> like everywhere you go, there's like this amazing street food. Now, like none of it's like really healthy, but it's just great if you want a snack. So we did that. We uh, went up to Geethorn. We wanted to see the countryside. So we went to this small little village, which is mostly car-free. Uh, you go there, and then you, you can rent a boat and basically putt up and down on these canals that are how people get to their their homes. So that was pretty fun. This, like The streets are water in Geethorn. We actually stayed at an Airbnb, and on the listing, it was called a chalet. Hmm. When we got there, it was a single-wide trailer. <laughs> oh, that was a very loose interpretation of yeah. the word chalet. <laughs> It's like a single white trailer with a, with a front porch built on. This is our chalet. Okay. So then we went down to Germany. We went to Aachen, where Charlemagne built his cathedral back in uh, the 800s. So we were only planning on spending one night in Aachen and then moving on. And we went to this laundromat because it had been about five or six days and we needed to do our clothes. It's pretty hard figuring out how to do laundry in a different country, let me tell you that. Well, I've, I've been been there, yeah. tried to do laundry different places. Yeah, pretty much every... Airbnb we stayed at. Remember how the dryers don't really dry? <laughs> the, often the dryers would be like a rack to hang your clothes up. Yeah, the, yeah. there's that. <laughs> Even the machine dryers, they just made your clothes like less damp. <laughs> Warm and damp. Well, I'm happy to say that we figured out the laundry and it got our clothes dry. And while we were waiting, we went bar hopping and we went to this little bar where people only spoke German and they drink Kolsch beer over in that part of Germany since it's so close to Cologne. And uh, we found out that President Zelensky was going to be in town the next day, so we couldn't even go and see the Aachener Dome because the whole place was going to be closed down for that. So we met this Italian guy who was really friendly. He lives and works in Germany, but he's from Italy originally, and he doesn't speak any English. So I was talking to him in German, and Aubrey was talking to him in Spanish because the guy kind of half knew Spanish. So we were hanging out, walking around with this guy. Not sure why he was so friendly. Like maybe he was just, you know, like takes him to a dark alley and then rob us, but. He turned out to be a cool guy, but we were hanging out with him and his friends and it was like 11 o'clock at night and I, I remembered our laundry. So this is Saturday night. I'm like, man, I don't think this, this laundry mat is 24-7. Like, I hope we can get our laundry. Uh-oh. So we rushed back there and sure enough, it was locked and closed. And since it's Germany, nothing's open on Sunday. Right. So we had to wait a whole nother day till Monday morning. You weren't planning on staying a lot that long? We weren't. And we couldn't even see the dome. So we're like, we have a whole day to kill now. So then we uh, we went to see a castle and we played frisbee golf and hung out with the Italian guy again. All in your dirty underwear. <laughs> well, I think I had like one change of clothes and I had to lend Aubrey some pants. <laughs> so what we wanted to do in Germany was a uh, Klettersteig hike. It's one of those hikes where you have a harness and a helmet and you hook in with cables and you go along the mountain, the rocks called a Klettersteig. They're also called a Via Ferrata, which is Italian for Iron Way and they're all over Europe. 
The first one I did was in Switzerland. Not recommended for people who are afraid of heights? <laughs> no. Well, this one was not very high up in elevation because it's Western Germany. The mountains are not huge. We were actually in a, na a national park called the Eiffel, Der Eiffel. And it's very beautiful, kind of probably looks like the Black Forest region. We're talking about we're in like Rhineland, Palatinate, Rhineland, Westphalia area. So rolling green hills and rivers and valleys and just beautiful, refreshing to be out there in the country and kind of out of the city. We went to this, so we went to this tiny little town, this village essentially called Manderscheid. So this lady who rented us the equipment warned us how strenuous the hike would be. But she said, oh, you guys look like you're in good shape, so I think you can make it. But uh, she says your arms are going to get really tired because you have to really hang on. Oh, wow. So yeah, sure enough, it was pretty challenging. So that was the Klettersteig in Der Eiffel National Park in Germany. Then we needed to head back eventually to Amsterdam so Aubrey could fly out. And uh, on our way back, we went through Luxembourg, just to say that we've been there. Right. And then we went to The Hague in the Netherlands, where we have a, uh, a listener to the podcast and member of our social distancing run group, our group for people to do our virtual races. And so we met with, uh, with her. Her name is Rochelle Weigel, and she showed us around. The Hague is like the governmental seat of the Netherlands. And uh, we also went to the M.C. Escher Museum. M.C. Escher, of course, is a Dutch graphic artist, and actually, our most recent medal for the social distancing run, 2,500-mile challenge, is inspired by M.C. Escher. It was really cool to actually go to the Netherlands, where he was from, and, and see his work, his original work, in person. Yeah, it looked like an amazing museum. And here's a soundbite with Rochelle. We actually helped her get into long-distance running back in 2020. Here's that soundbite for you. Hey, hey, I'm sitting here in a pub in The Hague with Rochelle. Rochelle, so nice to hang out with you in the Netherlands and meet you in real life. You were telling me that you found our group from a Facebook ad and signed up for the Corona Lisa 100 mile challenge, but previously you weren't a runner at all. Am I getting the story right? Yeah, I only run like uh, for maybe two weeks and then I found uh, the Corona Lisa challenge and I signed up. I really like the Mona Lisa. Yeah. So I thought it was funny, Corona Lisa, and then I thought, well, 100 miles, can I do it? And then. Mm -hmm. I did, I made it to 200 miles. And yeah. then since then, I, I'm now at the, the 2000 miles challenge. Wow, not only have you done these challenges, but you've also done a couple of races. You've done uh, two marathons, pretty tough marathons, like where you had to go through water and on the beach. So which marathons did you do? They're both the same. It was uh, the Fornes Down Trail, it's called. It's next to my house. So. Okay, how did it go? Your first marathon, was it pretty hard? It was hard, it, it was terrible at parts, but I was waiting for it to knock me down, but it didn't happen. So I was like, Good. this is okay, I can do this. So you must have trained decently then, huh? Yeah, I had the MTA training plan. All right. <laughs> so you must love challenges because right now you're doing 75 hard. You're in day 10. Anyone who doesn't know, what, what is 75 hard? What does it involve? It involves uh, drinking a lot of water, uh, exercise 45 minutes twice a day and one has to be outside, mm. uh, read 10 pages of non-fiction, the easy one, uh, take a picture and uh, follow a diet, no cheap meals, no alcohol. For 75 days straight? Yes. All right. If you fail, you have to start over. Do you have any friends or family doing it with you? Uh, colleagues. Okay. I force them into it. <laughs> what do you do for work? I'm a manager at a vacation park and we, I, I'm in vacation charge park. Yeah, I'm in charge of all the restaurants. So I've got like uh, two bars, four restaurants, two fast food places, a wow. supermarket and a pizza takeaway. Wow, that sounds stressful. Yeah, it is sometimes. <laughs> That's why running is so nice. 
Yeah. I cannot go of it. Well, so nice to meet you in real life. Best of luck on the 75 hard and the 2,500 mile challenge. So after all of that, you make your way to Belgium and you actually do an MTA meetup the night before the race. Yeah, it was awesome meeting up with some fellow beer lovers and runners. <laughs> of course, Belgian beer is just legendary. They've been making it since the Roman era. Um, in fact, I was reading that when monasteries sprung up in the 8th century, the monks would support themselves by brewing beer. And that's where you get Trappist ale. And Trappist ale still has to be brewed under the supervision of monks. If you're a beer aficionado, you've probably heard of these brands. These are all Belgian breweries. Some of them were on the course. Uh, you have Chimay, Orval, Westmala, Leffe, Corson Dunk, Duvel, Golden Drock. Golden Drock 9000 is really good. They have that at the Belgian restaurant in our town. Mm. St. Bernardus, La Chouffe. And of course, the big famous one that's kind of made for the masses is Stella Artois. That's right. <laughs> Angie, you've probably seen a Stella. Even I have had a sip of that one. <laughs> it's not bad. So tell us what town the race was in. Yeah, it was in Liège. That's in the French-speaking part. So you can imagine the country kind of being split in half with Flanders in the north, where they speak Dutch or, or Flemish, which is just the dialect of Dutch, and then Wallonia in the south, where they speak French. It's more flat, of course, up toward the Netherlands. This was referred to as the low countries in history. It gets more hilly and mountainous in the south, where between Belgium and France is the Ardennes. It's kind of significant in World War II history because when the Nazis attacked France, they went through the Ardennes. So anyway, Liège is kind of at the top of the French-speaking part. I actually went to the race expo first, and I got to see one of our Academy members who's from Belgium, Rudy Van Ziegel. And I also got to see two guys who were listeners from the UK who came because they heard about me coming. And Wow, that's cool. Yeah, Ron and Brummel. And like I mentioned, this the theme this year was cinema. So when you go in the, the expo, everything was themed very well. It, it was clever. I mean, they had a DeLorean there, like legit DeLorean. That's a car from Back to the yeah, Future. Yeah, from Back to the Future. <laughs> and it was like decked out like with all the Back to the Future extra stuff, the flux capacitor and all the things on there. Of course. There was a bar there. Yeah. So, you know, everyone had a beer. And then they gave us a lot of swag, too. We got a little bag with a, a hat, socks. Everyone got a cup for race day. That's how you would get your, your samples on the course. And then they give you this belt with a little drink holder, like a little rubber band where you can stick your cup. I didn't wear it, but that's what that was for. And then everyone's bib had their name and said, best actor. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. So we had the meetup at a restaurant in the city center. And in addition to Rudy and Ron and Brummel, we also had Steve Plummer from the UK. He and his wife came. His wife, Jean, was there to support him. And then we had Marin from Belgium, a uh, young lady. She was running her first marathon. Wow. And, and she doesn't even drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, why are you doing this? Uh, but she heard about it on the podcast. And cool. I told her, what, hey, you know, tomorrow would be a good day to start drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing new on race day. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then when we were at the expo, we got a little photo. And uh, there was this lady sitting there at the table by herself that we asked to get a photo of us and she was kind and obliged and then looks like she was alone so I'm like hey would you like to come out to eat with us we're gonna just meet up with a couple runners so she tagged along her name was Kat she was also from the UK nice and she was joking about like my friends are texting me right now asking me to ask you guys if you're serial killers <laughs> I'm like yes I have a top serial killer podcast <laughs> on iTunes <laughs> no it was fun she was a good sport 
Yeah, so we all met at this restaurant. Of course, we were like pre-gaming with great Belgian beer. And uh, here's a soundbite from the MTA meetup in Liège. Oh, wait, hey. Say that, say, that, say that right here on this. Just hold that and say it. So I've been listening to a podcast for a few years. I've been following uh, Trevor's advice. Uh, I've been drinking. Yeah, excellent, Trevor. I've been drinking all my beers, as you recommended. I I follow all your lazy advice, and I think I I, I feel really confident. So tomorrow I'm gonna probably do my PB. Yeah, he said that after ordering his third beer. So <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've just met Trevor today, but I feel like already my running has improved um, <laughs> and I will see the results tomorrow. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> You've absorbed all my knowledge. Before listening to one single episode, you have got the whole gist of... Just your general wisdom. You've got a wisdomous air. Oh, yes. And I feel like it's just, I've just sucked it in through my pores and I am ready to just bring the power tomorrow. Yeah. So we're also here with Brummel from the UK and also grew up, spent some time in Colombia. And Brummel, I'm going to pass it to you and tell us like how many marathons you've done and what inspired you to do so many freaking marathons because you've done a lot. This is going to be my 43 marathon tomorrow, hopefully. Wow. Inspired by you guys. I started listening to the podcast in 2016 and I started with one and then I started one every month and doing 36 in three years. Then I'm going to Europe, but I'm coming back now because yeah. I listen to you guys and I'm definitely coming to join Trevor and do it. So thank you. You're welcome, man. And I told him I'm not responsible for anything that happens tomorrow. <laughs> We're also here with uh, Rudy from Belgium. T tell people how many miles you ran last year. Last year I ran about 2,600 miles, 157 half marathons, and in between four marathons and four ultras of... 50k or more wow. so I know Trevor already virtually four years and now it's finally time to meet him on the beer lovers marathon I, place. I have a good excuse to drink not too much beer tomorrow because I need to drive my car but next year I will uh, schedule a taxi service with my sons and then yeah. uh, well it's great to finally meet you in person oh yes it is for those, for the uninitiated who might not know a whole lot about Belgium, tell us uh, what part of Belgium you're from, what language you speak. I live in the Flemish part. It's uh, the biggest part of Belgium. We also have a part of French-speaking people and a little part of German-speaking. And at home I speak uh, Flemish or Dutch. Yeah. It's my first language, so uh, English I try to speak uh, as good as I can. So. Uh, yeah. We have another listener and runner from Belgium here, Maren, and she also studies linguistics in college. So what is Flemish? And tell us everything we wanted to know about that. Okay, um, Flemish is just a, a dialect of Dutch, which also is associated with the language that people speak in the Netherlands, right? And we have other like smaller dialects like in different regions in Flanders. But if somebody is speaking Dutch, like it, we will understand it 100%. Okay. Okay, and you were also doing your very first marathon tomorrow. Tell us how you feel. Are you nervous? Are you excited? Like what's going through your mind right now? 
Uh, I'm pretty excited. Uh, I think I've hit like the the level on the chart where you're like naive enough to think that you're actually really good at it. So um, so I, I trained something and it was pretty hard and then I, I had a knee injury so I stopped for a few weeks and now it's been a while but I think I can really handle it for some reason so I'm also preparing myself to be a bit disappointed but I think it's gonna be a really fun marathon to try like for the first time so and everybody here seems really chill about it so I mean I'm I'm, ex I'm excited that people are you know <laughs> not not gonna go like to run their PBs or something so hey, once you start your legs will know what to do <laughs> just just enjoy every mile, every kilometer. And we're also here with Stephen Plummer from the UK. First of all, how long have you been listening to the podcast? Uh, probably about five or six years, I would say. Tomorrow, it'll be marathon number what for you? Uh, it's my number 48, and um, I suspect it'll be one of my slowest, but it should be my most fun. <laughs> so this is the Beer Lovers Marathon. How much do you actually love beer, Steve? Oh, hell yes. No, one of my favorite things, so combining running, drinking beer, is we have the best time. I'm fancy dressed too, so. And tomorrow your fancy dress is, you're going as what? Uh, Elvis to start with. Um, it could be messy Elvis by the end. Okay. Yeah, what version of Elvis is this? Yeah, you're doing the like the fat, bloated, 40-year-old Elvis. <laughs> That's how many beers I have. Um, no, it's sort of early Las Vegas years. Um, okay. And I've got a new wig to try out and um, a jumpsuit, me, I'm um, cape, which should give me extra speed. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of full of hope for tomorrow until I saw all the stairs. So really great people. We could have just sat there and just drank beer and told stories for hours. Near the end when we were getting ready to leave the restaurant, I remembered that it was my birthday. <laughs> it's May 20th. I had not thought about it all day. You guys had a little party for me before I left to go to Europe. So I, I mentioned like, oh man, I, I just remembered it's my birthday. <laughs> so Ron and Brummel, they got up and they're like, oh man, we'll be right back. And uh, so they bought me a beer, came in like this Viking horn glass. Wow. And then a couple minutes later, like the restaurant staff came out and were singing happy birthday in French <laughs> and gave me this little dessert with like this flaming candle in it. Nice. So yeah, it was really special. I felt really blessed. Thanks to our friends at Oladance for sponsoring this episode. They make wearable stereo. They're earbuds that fit over the ear instead of in the ear. So your ears don't start aching and get fatigued if you listen to long podcast episodes. Angie, I know as a person that listens to audiobooks every day, sometimes more than two hours a day, you've really enjoyed Oladance, um, even though you had headphones that you liked perfectly well before you got these. Yeah, now I try to go back to the other ones, and not only are they less comfortable, <laughs> you have that ear fatigue from having them inside your ear, the sound is actually really tinny as well. And so I found that the Oladance open earbuds have really superior sound. So yeah, it's a great all-around combination of a secure fit that stays firm on your ears, comfortable, great sound. And of course, for runners, it's really important if you're running outside to never lose track of what's happening around you so that you can keep safe while keeping keeping you in the moment of whatever you're listening to. Just go to oladance.com, use the code MTA20 for 20% off. That's oladance.com, use the code MTA20. Big thanks to AG1 by Athletic Greens for sponsoring this episode. AG1 is the ultimate green drink with 75 proven vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. I just had some right before I recorded this, in fact. And Angie, you probably had some this morning because you do it every morning. That's right. <laughs> Best way to start the day. 
Athletic Greens is committed to making AG1 the best health drink out there. In fact, they constantly are improving their formula and making sure it does not include anything that may be detrimental to your health, including gluten or pesticides, herbicides, GMOs, no added sugar. It is great for people who are avoiding lactose and sucrose, no animal byproducts. Um, So they really have all the good stuff in there with nothing that may take away from your health. Yeah, give it a try. See why we love it. Go to athleticgreens.com slash MTA. With your first purchase, you can get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs. Athleticgreens.com slash MTA. So take us to race morning. Race morning, got up, put on my Clint Eastwood man with no name costume, headed out the door. And people from the meetup, we had this pre-arranged place we were going to get a photo. So Steve, he was dressed as Elvis. Rudy was dressed up as Urbanos, which is a Belgian comedian and comic book writer. Oh. And then Ron and Brummel were Mario and Luigi. Oh, that's a good idea. But yeah, the energy was just amazing. How many people do you estimate were doing the race? It was just a marathon, correct? Yeah, just a marathon. And I think there was 3,500 people. Okay. Almost everything was really crowded. Uh, The starting line, the finish line, the beer stops. Almost every runner has a costume on. There were people who chose their costume based on what's efficient to run in. Yes. And then other people who chose like the most inefficient costumes. (laughs) What were some of the most outlandish costumes that you saw? Like hard to run in type things. Oh, one guy was like Top Gun. So he had this flight suit on. Oh my. And then this pretty elaborate cardboard jet like around his waist. Well, that would make the course seem crowded. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They were Ghostbusters. And it got hot out there. It got to like 72 degrees. Yeah. According to my watch, Fahrenheit. Like that was the hardest part for me was not overheating with my poncho and my hat. (laughs) But there were people who were running as men in black in suits, like from the movie Men in Black. So it could have been worse. Okay, we've only gone maybe one kilometer. And already I had a chocolate croissant. It's quite a feeding frenzy at that food stop. But it's all good. This is going to be a lot of fun. So check this out, Angie. At the very first aid station, they had chocolate croissants. Wow, breakfast. (laughs) Breakfast of champions. Like, all right, this is off to a good start. (laughs) I'm like, but where's the beer? There wasn't any beer there, which I thought was a good idea. Make make people run for 5K until you start giving them alcohol. Yes. (laughs) Make sure they're really committed to the marathon first. By the time they start drinking, it's just too far to walk back. So they're like, well, I may as well finish. (laughs) So we get to the first beer stop and I'm with Ron and Brummel. And we're like just pining for like, where's the beer? Where's the beer? You know, and we we get there and it's just a madhouse. There's like one table, there's a DJ and there's like one tap and they're pouring from the tap into pitchers and from pitchers into our little cups. There's like hundreds of people like reaching their cup in like beer, beer. <laughs> was there any water? No one went for the water? Yeah, there was water, thankfully. <laughs> but by the time we like muscled in there, the, the marshal, the, the course organizer shut it down. It's like no more beer. 
everyone's got to keep going. And there was all, all these empty kegs. And there was a couple that were still full. I was like picking them up. I'm like, hey, we got more in here. <laughs> and and the beer guy was like, oh, that's for the party later. Mm. Okay, so we're at the Beer Lovers Marathon and we still haven't had a beer yet. That's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> but finally we got to the third aid station and it was like a rave cave and the beer wasn't flowing. The music was really loud, but like strobe lights and smoke and... And I can't even remember like which brewery was at what stop, but all the beer I had was really good. Okay, going through a big tunnel, and I finally got some beer at the Beer Lovers Marathon. And a little cookie. Just a huge party, a lot of fun. Well, I think that part's over. Merci. This is a new course. All right, there's no line. What, what brewery is this? Uh, Lupulus Hopera. Lupulus. Lupulus. Merci. All right, just rolled through another beer stop about two and a half hours into the race. You can just pretty much get as many pours as you want. And the beer is très bien. Feeling good, kind of sweaty, running in his hat and cape. I'll probably not ever start a line of uh, running capes. I'm not gonna go into that business, but uh, having a good time. I love my job. So I'm out there having a great time, rolling through beer stop after beer stop. It's like a continual 42-kilometer party, but also a pretty challenging marathon. So in addition to the beer stops along the course, they also had us run along a river, on single-track trails. We ran through a train station. Wow, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. We ran through narrow streets and passageways, along fields, through parks and neighborhoods, over bridges, up and down stairs. Oof. And then the biggest feature of the course is this massive outdoor staircase with 374 steps. It's called the Montagne de Bruin. The word mountain is like literally in the name of this. <laughs> and in 2013, in fact, this staircase was ranked by the Huffington Post as number one in their list of most extreme staircases. Wow. And you got to have it at what point in your marathon? That was at about 26K. Man. So was that the most challenging part? For a lot of people, yeah. I mean, you couldn't even see the top of this. I'm really glad that they put that on the course. Like, it would be dumb for them not to use that in their marathon. It's just so epic. Okay, I made it to the mountain of staircases. Yeah, this is awesome. I can't even see the top. We've already been up and down a bunch of stairs. But it's all good. It's a lot of fun. Everyone's having a good time, looks like. Au revoir. Actually, the most challenging part for me was the heat because I was wearing my, my cowboy stuff. We went up above the city and it was there I saw a listener to the podcast named Fiona from Germany. And so we got a quick photo, but then the course sweepers pushed us on. Oh no. There was, there was this dude with a little flag and he's like, you got to stay ahead of me or you won't be able to get any more beer after this. 
because we're <laughs> shutting down the course. Ah, so you were that far back. I huh? was that far back. Wow. But the funny thing was, there was like a ton of people behind me because the previous beer stop, they had like all kinds of singing and dancing and a DJ and people were just in no hurry to leave at all. They had to whip out the uh, the course marshals to get you moving, huh? <laughs> yeah. So that actually made me nervous. So for the next 10K, I'm trying to stay ahead of this guy. Mm-hmm. So what we were more worried about, not getting beer at the beer stops or not getting a medal and a finishing time. <laughs> you know, probably the latter. Right. Because I think after 10 or so beer stops, I think I was pretty well topped off. <laughs> Did they have any porta pots along the way? That's a good question. All that beer and usually it creates a lot of pee. For some reason, marathons in Europe, they don't supply a lot of that. I've been in some races over there, especially like in the mountains, smaller races, and I've seen zero potty stops. So yeah, you just got to go at your own risk. Yeah, I guess so. So we know you had a lot of beer, but how did you fuel for this marathon? Yeah, so uh, thankfully I got my fueling dialed in with UCAN. I took two UCAN bars with me. I had one about 20 minutes before the race started, and then I had one about halfway Plus, I was taking like chips and stuff at the aid stations just for some salt. But uh, yeah, I feel like I had good energy other than like fighting the heat. So yeah, good old trusty UCAN. I've used it at dozens and dozens of races, both marathon and half marathon, plus all kinds of training runs. And I think the great thing is that it combines well with anything else you're using. You know, so that's a question a lot of people ask, like, does UCAN combine with other products or other foods? Because sometimes you can get like a really like upset sick stomach, (laughs) which is not pleasant for anyone who's ever had that. And it does. It combines well with real food, with other products. That's one of the things that I really like about it. Yeah, definitely. That's why we switched to it. UCAN is just so easy on the stomach. You can actually get a free bundle. You can get six edge gels for free. Just pay for shipping. Um, So if you haven't tried it yet, go over to youcan.co forward slash MTA. Youcan.co forward slash MTA. See why we love it. So you've kind of described, especially in the back, you know, sometimes they say marathons, the party's in the back, the fun's in the yeah. back. So people like are cons- literally this, this time. <laughs> literally here. So people are consuming, you know, varying degrees of alcohol. Did you see people staggering around? Were people vomiting? I mean, what was the, what were the results of this party in the back? Honestly, I saw none of that. Um, I felt fine. Uh, I think if you're you're running and sweating, you're burning it off pretty quick. I remember also doing my training runs. You would kind of feel just more happy. Maybe your, your feet would be like a little numb. <laughs> just kind of let go of, of caring so much about your time. That was the feeling I had. I never felt like bloated or dizzy or, and I wasn't like just knocking them back either. I was, and I always had one cup of water with every beer. So it's important to hydrate because beer can dehydrate you. Well, alcohol can dehydrate you. So yeah, alcohol in general. Yeah. <laughs> Stay hydrated for yeah. sure. Yeah. Try to drink one cup of water for every beer that you drink or wine or whatever you're having. We're teaching people how to go the distance on this podcast, Angie. I guess so. <laughs> okay, made it to 39K, beer stop. There's a food truck here selling frites, french fries. People are queuing up to buy them, but those uh, sweepers are still trying to push people to keep everybody moving. 
I'm still not very keen on the fries and mayonnaise. I'm a ketchup guy. All right, three kilometers to go. Feeling good, still walking straight. All right, crossing the bridge for the last time. I can see the final beer stop. <laughs> this dude runs by, he's Belgian or French. And he looks at me and says, it's the man with no name. And I said, yeah, that's me. Je m'appelle man with no name. I managed to stay ahead of the sweeper until maybe the last couple kilometers. The very last beer stop, which is this massive party, as the uh, the core sweeper walked up with his little flag, everyone started booing him. <laughs> <laughs> Be a tough job to have. <laughs> so what was the finish line like? I remember texting you and asking you how the marathon went. And you replied back that you fell into a kiddie pool. So yeah. I know pe people need to hear this story because it's pretty much a once-in-a-lifetime marathon experience. Well, first of all, what's the rest of that story? Because when I texted you that, you were in the car with some friends of ours and all of you started <laughs> laughing at me. We were on the way to our son's uh, flag football game. And so I'm like, Trevor fell in a kiddie pool at the finish line of his marathon. So that we're all just like really laughing at you because yeah. we figured you were drunk or something. <laughs> okay, it was weird. All right, this, this was really bizarre. So the finish line was where the starting line was. A courtyard between two buildings, kind of narrow. By the time I finished, they had this like suds machine. It wasn't quite like a bubble maker. It was just like producing suds. <laughs> it was like going into a bubble bath. So how high did the suds come up on you? Like waist high. Oh my goodness. It you was, couldn't see your feet at all. It was completely nuts. You, you literally could not see the ground. So I go like toward the wall. I'm going to get around all these people. And, and then all of a sudden I trip and fall. <laughs> there was a kiddie pool, but it was completely covered in suds that I didn't even see it. And so I like fell into this pool, like <laughs> hit my knees on the ground in the bottom. Oh. I get up. I'm like covered in water. This is a lawsuit waiting to happen right here. <laughs> All right, got my ass across the finish line. Whoa, there's a bunch of bubbles. People are all acting crazy. Oh. Whoa, there's a, there's a tub. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was pretty cool that right after I got up after falling, um, I saw Steve Plummer. He had finished several hours before me. <laughs> And he was waiting for me, so that was really nice. Unfortunately, I didn't get a, a lot of time to talk to him. Everything was just so crowded. And when I got into the building, it was just like this loud, loud, raucous party and nowhere to sit. So I eventually went back outside. But I did see Ron and Brummel, Mario and Luigi. And I saw Fiona, the listener from Germany. And I actually got a quick soundbite with her. Here's that. All right, all right. We are here after the marathon with uh, Fiona, who lives in Germany. And this for you was marathon number? Uh, the third one. Did you have beer every stop pretty much? Yes, every right. stop. I think I had like two or three every stop, so I kind of got here drunk. And then uh, how long have you been listening to the podcast? Since 2020. I have the training plan for a marathon for 350. So I'm kind of following that, so maybe 
Nice. I love our plans. Yes. So you're thinking big. You're gonna. You want to run faster, and you also want to run ultras because you've done a 60k. Someday you'd like to do a hundred miler. Yes, I would like to do the Western States if that's possible. We'll see. Yeah, but you're also in med school, so you have a pretty busy life. Yes. <laughs> yes, it's kind of difficult, but I think I'll get there. We'll see. It's a marathon, not a sprint, as they yes, say. Yes. Well, so nice to meet you, and congrats on uh, finishing the Beer Lovers Marathon. Yeah, you too. And later, I got an email from Marin. He did her first marathon there. I asked her if she survived. She said, I did survive, although I cursed those stairs many times. Oh. <laughs> I enjoyed the first part a lot, but around 15K, I started getting stomach pain, so it got hard. Then the climbing kilometers were really murder. I was so discouraged the hills kept coming. After 30K, I was really happy to be able to run again, although every kilometer seemed like an eternity. She says, at that point, I knew I was going to get there one way or another. Anyways, I finished and quickly forgot the pain. Yay. <laughs> I am very proud of doing such a hard thing. I was really encouraged by random kindness from other runners on the course. Aww. So um, just recently, you went on the website to try to figure out what your finishing time was. And it's a bit, little bit unclear what your finishing time was. Yeah, basically everyone who finished slower than 6.30, their time just says seven and a half hours. Okay. So I have no idea. There were like hundreds and hundreds of people who were behind me and they didn't even look interested in like <laughs> leaving the beer stops. There was one beer stop. It was on a boat as you're going by the river. I didn't even try to get on that one. Later, someone told me like, oh yeah, some people don't even finish. They just stay on the boat the rest of the time. <laughs> but you still got a medal. You got just a blanket time of seven hours and 30 minutes. I'll take it. And you had a great time. I still went the full distance. That's I have right. no idea what my time was. I didn't start my watch. It's weird that they have such a short cutoff, like six and a half hours with all those beer stops. It's not a lot of time, but I, I can kind of see the wisdom in it because you got to keep people moving. Right. If you give them indefinite time, they'd be out there all day. Yeah. And there wouldn't be any running at all. As it is now with all the, the tomfoolery that goes on, you the finish time is strict enough where you do have to keep moving. Yes. Between stops, you got to run. Um, but yeah, it's flexible. Even if you don't make it under the hard cutoff, they still give you a medal and celebrate you. So I appreciate that. Yeah, that's good to know. <laughs> so this was marathon number 21 for me. Congratulations. How did you recover from all of that? Uh, I recovered by joining up with Rudy from Belgium and we went to Ghent, had some more great beer, looked at a castle, went on a little river boat ride, and then also went to Bruges. Then I ended up in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. There's a listener to the podcast named Annette. She's been listening for years, and she actually came through Missouri back in the day when we lived in Missouri. This is like 2014. It was a long time ago. Yeah, she took pictures of our family, some really nice family pictures for us, and our, yeah. our kids were all small, and now they're all big. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so here's a quick soundbite with Annette. Hey, hey, I'm in the Netherlands with Annette Behrens, and she's been a listener to the podcast for a good while. I know you guys can't see this, but um, Annette's cat, <laughs> Fien, is jumped up on the table and wants to see what we're doing. So you've lived here since 2006. What do you do here in Rotterdam? Uh, I'm a visual artist, and I work with photography, uh, video, and text on long-term documentary projects. And uh, yeah, that's what I do here in Rotterdam. And I also regularly teach uh, photography for students. So everything I do is photography related. So the whole Netherlands has all these great walking paths, bike paths, trails. So you could theoretically, you could just leave your, your apartment here and run all the way to Amsterdam, couldn't you? 
Uh, I could actually, yeah, one route that I really love to take is I can take the metro, the subway uh, from my apartment. So the subway station is like a one minute walk. Uh, then I can go to The Hague, to the central station there and um, and then run back by the beach uh, nice. to Hoek van Holland and then take the metro back. So I don't need a car at all for for that. And that's actually one of my favorite routes to take. When I was in Amsterdam, I, my friend and I rented bikes and we were riding around and it kind of gave me an idea to come back, rent a bike, go up to the to Friesland. And you're actually a Frieslander because you're from Ost Friesland in Germany. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's where it's really cold. That's why it's called Friesland, right? It's just really, <laughs> all the Netherlands is cold, but it's really cold up there, I guess. But uh, it'd be fun to fly over there to the most northern city that I could go get to, rent a bicycle, and then bike all the way down to Rotterdam or even you know further south, maybe even to the Belgian border. Yeah. And you're saying it's completely possible. There's trails. I don't have to go on you know any major roads probably to do that. Yeah, the I mean, the bike paths are fantastic in the Netherlands. So yeah, they're really well done and thought about. So if you want to take a big bike tour, then um, yeah, that's absolutely possible. And a lot of friends or acquaintances I have, that's what they do for a vacation. <laughs> they just yeah. bike and yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely a recommendation to do that here. So you've probably gotten pretty good at riding a bike uh, living here in the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah. You can carry your cat and ride a bike at the same time, maybe, I, huh? I probably could. Well, the, I mean, the thing when I thought, okay, now I'm really Dutch is when I transported my Christmas tree on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your hospitality and thank you for being a longtime listener of the podcast. It's so cool to see you again after uh, nine years. All of you can hear how good Annette speaks English. She also, of course, speaks German uh, and Dutch. So I'm wondering, Annette, if you could if you could tell people that they have what it takes to run a marathon and change their life <laughs> in Dutch. Oh, okay. Doesn't have to be exact <laughs> yeah, translation. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have to uh, definitive in you om uh, om een marathon te lopen en om je leven te veranderen. Dus uh, ga ervoor. There you go, folks. You heard it right here. Annette, thank you so much again for your hospitality and for being a long-time listener to the podcast. And so awesome that we got to meet up here in Rotterdam. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for coming by and for the great podcast you make. So, this whole experience, do you have any takeaways from the race? Yeah. Definitely. What's cool about our sport is there's something for everybody. If you are really dedicated to improving your time and running fast, doing PRs, qualifying for Boston, that's a worthy goal. And there's that goal. But if you're not too interested in doing that and you just want to explore the world through running, there's destination races. There's actually sort of a a wine lovers marathon in France. It's called the Marathon du Medoc where they, they have wine tastings and cheese tastings on the course. Someday Angie and I are going to do that one, right? <laughs> we haven't done it yet. And people also run in costume. And, and even here in the U.S., there's these marathons that have like a unique angle, some feature of the course, or something that makes it maybe just a little extra challenging. We really like the revel races, which bust you up a mountain, then boom, you just bomb down the mountain the whole way. So it's just really cool that you you can kind of find what you enjoy. And it could change over the course of your running career. You could have different goals. Like There was a time where I really wanted to run a sub four hour marathon. So I trained for that and uh, found a flat race uh, in New Orleans and then also ran sub four in Myrtle Beach. That was a nice flat course. And also, no matter where you go, you're going to find really cool people because runners are just jazzed about running and you can talk for days 
I mean, I met people over there who, who've run just dozens and dozens of marathons and traveled a bunch. In fact, Rudy, he and I were talking, he's, he's been over 90 countries. Wow. He's got so many awesome stories and, and running kind of brings people together, which is just really special to see. So people are probably wondering, would you do this marathon again? And is there going to be a future version of Trevor's Marathon Tours to the Beer Lovers Marathon? <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> there should be a Beer Lovers Marathon in the U.S. Yeah. But yeah, I would I would see myself someday like leading a tour over there to do a race, a destination race. And, you know, also like getting back because I did not eat very well, you know, while I was gone. I was like eating all the street food and trying everything. So I am ready to tighten her down and start training for something more serious, like maybe the Whiskey Lovers Marathon. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for this race recap. Thank you so much for being a listener. We always love to hear your story. You can always shoot us an email, support at marathontrainingacademy.com. We also have a contact form on our website, marathontrainingacademy.com. We're here to support you in whatever goal that you take on. Until next time, remember you have what it takes to run a marathon and change your life. Right on my way.